everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I'm here to bring you the post-game show following Bayern Munich's 1-0 victory over Manchester United in the Champions League. It's a little different feeling than we had over the weekend when Bayern got walloped by Eintracht Frankfurt 5-1. But still, I think if you've been following this team, there are some troubling signs. It was not exactly a convincing effort from Bayern Munich. Listen, it was yet another boring game, and I understand uh, the crowd that says it's a win. A win is a win is a win. I understand all of that, but the way this team is functioning right now, there are some troubling signs, and we will touch on those. Uh, I did not like everything I saw. I especially did not like the story that dropped just a couple of hours before the match stating that Bayern Munich's bosses were very unhappy with the team's leadership players. Uh, the team leaders, of course, being players like Joshua Kimmich, Leon Goretzka, Thomas Muller, Manuel Neuer, Matthijs De Ligt, and Serge Gnabry. What we will touch on all that. I, I did want to say some words on that because it is a very hot story right now, and uh, there's a lot to say on that. But let's take a look at the game. That's what we're here to discuss first and foremost. We'll start with the lineup that was put out by Thomas Tuchel, and it was exactly what you would have expected for this match. After that debacle against Eintracht Frankfurt, Tuchel really did not have many options to rotate. He couldn't do it. He couldn't take the chance because perception being what it is, Bayern Munich needed to come out and have a strong, convincing performance in a win. Now, I will tell you, in my opinion, it was not strong, nor was it convincing, but it was a win. So they'll take that and they'll run to the bank with it. But Tuchel started Manuel Neuer and net the center back combination of Kim Min Jae and Daya Upamakano. I thought they were pretty good working together. Bonzo Davies and Nusar Mizrahi started the outside back positions. Leon Goretzka and Yeshua Kimmich played in the midfield. Jamal Musiala played the 10. The wingers were Leroy Sané and Kingsley Coman. The striker was Harry Kane. Ugh. <laughs> so that tells you a little bit how I felt about how that 11 played. But uh, let's start with a couple of things uh, regarding that starting 11. Much better performance from the center backs. I thought both were pretty terrible against Eintracht Frankfurt. But in this match, they were strong. They did what they needed to do. The midfield pairing of Goretzka and Kimmich was okay. Wasn't great. Wasn't terrible. I thought it was good, I would say. Uh, outside backs, very tough to gauge. Ms. Rowie left the game. Uh, in the first, actually, yeah, at halftime, he was subbed out and it's there. The word is right now that he picked up some kind of injury. So there'll be more information dropping about that soon. I'm guessing Davies it's tough because I always sound like I'm picking on him and it's because I have such high expectations for him, but I thought he was okay. Did not think he was great. There were some moments where we saw flashes of that old Alfonso Davies, uh, if you want to get back to one of my sticking points about Davies, uh, he did lose possession 18 times today. So that gets troublesome when, when we're talking about Davies losing possession upwards of 20 times. I, I get worried then. Uh, but there, like I said, I saw some flashes and it was markedly better than what we saw from him last weekend against Eintracht Frankfurt. The attack, uh, this is where <laughs> I have a lot of issues. Uh, I did not think Musiala was great. He was okay. Kingsley Coman was the goal scorer, and we'll run that down in a little bit. Uh, Coman had a pretty strong game. He's been up and down of late. Uh, we know how volatile Coman's performances can be. He can look great one day and be completely aloof the next. It's uh, good to see him be able to come through in a 
big setting when the team needed him. Uh, I was happy to see him score the goal because he, he one of these players needs to do something. It can't always be uh, a complete reliance on Harry Kane to provide the goal. And I have a lot to say about Kane, so uh, I'll touch on him in a little bit. But Leroy Sané, man, I, I did not like what I saw out of Sané in this match. And this is now becoming a trend. And we've all been down this road with Sané before. Immensely talented, maybe one of the most... <sighs> complete players in terms of skill and athleticism that we have in the world at this point. But when he goes into his ruts, it's very painful. And I thought he misplaced a lot of passes today. thought he was very unsure of himself on the ball. I thought he wasted a couple of opportunities. This is not the Sané that we saw dominate most of the first half of the season. So there are some reasons for concern there. Harry Kane is great if you're looking for an eight or a 10, but as a striker right now, to me, he's not cutting it. And I don't know whether this is because Thomas Tuchel's instructing him to play this way. I don't know if Kane is dictating how and where he wants to play. But the bottom line for me is Bayern Munich paid this man to be a striker. We all saw the pains of last season not having a real striker. And now they get the guy who arguably is the best striker in the world. I would put him firmly behind Erling Haaland, but you could convince me Kane is better either way. Kane is probably the most complete striker in the world, but right now he's not really playing striker. He gets barely any service when he's in those positions, which leads him to drop back. And the more he drops back, the less of a focal point for the attack he becomes, and I don't like it, but he did have the assist on Coman's goal. So let's give him credit where it's due. Let's take a look at how things shook out today. Uh, a very up and down first half for Bayern Munich. The only eventful thing that happened was Harry Maguire went out with what looked like a groin injury. Uh, there were different points in that first half where you felt comfortable about some of the things that Bayern Munich was doing, but then there were stretches where Manchester United really dominated. What's scary about that is this is not a good Manchester United team. Uh, I, I would say at best they are average. So, uh, I was a little concerned about how Bayern Munich seeded different portions of that first half to United. And I didn't really love what I saw. Second half was a little bit better. Of course, we saw Mizrawi leave and Conrad Limer enter the match to play right back at halftime. Uh, Mizrawi, we'll find out more about him. But uh, he has had a snake bitten season so far when he's been healthy and active. He's been really good. But he's suffered some injuries. He's not always been the first choice option by Tuchel, which is kind of surprising considering right now he's really the only natural right back that the team has. But Limer has done an adequate job when called upon, and we'll see what the extent is of Mizrahi's injury. It could be a situation where Limer has to close out the rest of the Hinrunda. Uh, hopefully that's not the case, but I think Limer will be up to the task and be able to handle the position if he needs to. So uh, we'll, we will definitely be following up on that. 67th minute, we saw Thomas Muller check in for Jamal Musiala. We knew Musiala was not going to play the entire match. Muller, it was a little bit of a shock to me that it was called upon. Uh, I did not think Tuchel would call his number, but in times of desperation, I think coaches tend to look toward Muller. He came on three minutes later. Muller played a little bit of a role in Kingsley Coman's goal in the 70th minute. Of course, it was Harry Kane, though, that sent the touch pass in uh, that a streaking Kingsley Coman ran into for the goal. Coman made a really, in my mind, a perfect run on that play. And the touch on 
Kane's pass was just enough that it allowed Coman to be the only one that was going to be able to get to that ball. So really nicely done by Harry Kane, the new attacking midfielder, I guess. But Coman does what he does in the Champions League. He seems to to rise up when needed. And we all remember 2020 when he had the game-winning goal in the Champions League finale. But good for Coman. Aside of that, not much happened. We did see Tel Coman for come on for Coman in the 77th minute. And then we saw Rafael Guerrero come on for Leroy Sané in the 90th minute. One nil victory for Bayern Munich. And I would say that it was yet another not satisfying, unsatisfying performance. I was I was not completely happy with it. Uh, and I, and I want to start out by talking about this. I thought defensively the team was much better. So I'm not as I'm not quite as worried about that. I didn't have as big a problem with the midfield as some other people had during this game. I'm not saying they were superstars today, but where my focus is, it's on the attack. And yes, we talked about Sané. He appears to be going through a slump right now, and it was bound to happen. We have never seen Sané be able to run, or really any player, run at a perfect level for so long and, and extend that throughout the season. The problem with Sané is when he does this, I always feel like it's confidence with him. And right now, he does not look like a confident player. And an unconfident player next to Harry Kane, who has kind of shirked his scoring responsibility at this point, it's leading me to think that there's not going to be a whole lot of offense generated by this Bayern Munich attack. I do not like how Jamal Musiala has functioned within this attack in recent weeks. I know he's been out, but when I go back even into October and September, I'm not seeing the Jamal Musiala that we saw at this time last year. We're seeing a Jamal Musiala who's a little bit more reckless, who takes chances he doesn't need to take, who is not as efficient as he once was. I don't really love him playing the 10 right now. And I know it sounds weird. And I know that's the last thing that he would want to hear is anybody telling him he can't be the 10. But right now, I would give serious consideration to changing things up. And I don't want to make it sound like Musial was bad because I don't think he was bad. I think he was okay. But I'm expecting more out of him. And I know, listen, it was his first real hardcore match action since that injury and he did play over the weekend but not much i think musiala has been in this up and down cycle since the world cup last year where he really came out of that in a slump and i, I think some of it was mental surely some of it he's is that he's beat up physically but this is not the best musiala that we've seen and i don't know when we're going to see that and when we're going to see consistently and unless he can start to string together consistently good performances. I don't think his spot in the lineup should be unquestioned. And yes, you're probably saying, oh, here it comes. The the typical BFW call for Thomas Muller to start. Listen, Thomas Muller came in the game three minutes later, the team scored. Did he set the goal up? No. Did he score it? No, but he was a part of it. And I don't know that Muller needs to start every game. I just know that he needs to play more than he is now. And I think that there's a way that Tuchel could do this that could help free up Musiala and maybe put him in more advantageous positions, especially given the fact that both Leroy Sané and Serge Gnabry apparently are slumping at this point. Put Musiala on the wing, get him in some 1v1s, allow him to break down defenses from the outside in, and he will get out of his funk because that is where he operates the best and where he has the most freedom. Right now, centrally, I just don't think he's working out. And it's not to say he can't get there. 
I'm sure he will get there at some point. But right now, this team is not living up to the expectations that I have and that many fans have for the attack. It's not a good attack right now, and it should be considering the talent they have, especially at striker. And that's where the big crux of my issue is. I don't know whether it's Harry Kane dictating this or whether it's Thomas Tuchel dictating this, but the more and more we're seeing of Kane, the more he's dropping in deeper to get the ball, the more he's playing the role of playmaker. Great. I'm glad he can do that, but that's not why Bayern Munich went out and got him. They got him to be a goal scorer. Yes, I love the fact that Kane's a complete player. He can do a lot of things. He's good on the ball. He's smart. He's a good passer. I love that. But I want him in front of the net. I want him making runs in the box. And quite frankly, what I will say, for as successful as Kane has been, one of the areas he has struggled with this season is his movement off the ball in the final third. He is not really moving, and that's part of the problem. So when he's not moving, he's not making diagonal runs, those short bursts. He's not getting the ball. So what is happening? He's dropping deeper to where he can get on it, where the defense isn't going to challenge him. They're not going to challenge him far outside the box. So that's where he's going to get the ball. In my mind, it's very disappointing to see that this is how the attack is starting to function. I don't want my best goal scorer lingering out too far away from the net. I want him in the action. And it seems like right now, Kane either prefers to play the role of point guard or Tuchel is dictating that that is what he want Kane. That's what he wants Kane to do. I am not sure that that is the best option for this attack. I think this attack works best when you have your wingers and you're attacking midfield or breaking people down, sliding in passes to the striker. Like we saw in the glory days of Robert Lewandowski. When Lewandowski was the focal point of the attack, like he was under Jupp Heynckes or Hansi Flick, Byron was near unstoppable. But Julian Nagelsmann came in, he had this philosophy that the striker wasn't that important, that they could win games with the wingers taking the majority of shots, with the attacking midfielders playing a bigger offensive role in terms of scoring. Didn't work. Lewandowski got pissed, and that led to him leaving eventually. Then we suffered through that second year of Nagelsmann where the no-striker system was a big experiment. And I'm sure Dr. Frankenstein Nagelsmann himself loved trying it out, but eventually he got to the, to the point where it wasn't working. So he started using Eric, Eric Maxim Chupomoting as a striker. He started playing Thomas Muller and Jamal Musiala together. The team started to turn around. They had one bad game, I believe it was against Leverkusen, if I remember correctly, and then he got canned. Then he's out of here. And then we get the Tuchel experiment. And here we go with this. Tuchel last year picks up the pieces, didn't have a striker, did the best he could, I guess. Now we are in this phase where Tuchel has a striker, yet he wants to use him as a 10. I don't understand it. It's getting very frustrating to watch this attack because it should be so much better. And yes, there are going to be periods where Musiala or Sané or Gnabry or Coman or Muller or whoever, they're all going to slump at some point. But it's to me, it's inexcusable to not have Kane as the focal point of your attack. You got him for this reason. You spent nine figures to make this guy the goal scorer that you needed. And now he's not really fulfilling that role. And listen, he has had a good season. He has been extremely productive. But I think we're getting away from things. And frankly, that Tuchel is losing the plot here with how to use Kane. And this is why it's so fascinating. I would love to know who's dictating how this is all going. 
Is it Kane? Is it Tugel? Is it a combination? I just don't like it. And that's what I know. And it, to me, it's very disappointing that Byron's playing an inferior team like Manchester United. And yes, I'm saying inferior because I don't think they stack up remotely close to Bayern Munich. But it was a close game, and it's easily one that could have went the other way. If Bayern Munich would have had some of the breakdowns that we've seen in the past this season, United could have gotten on the board, and then what? It wouldn't have been a big deal in the standings, but this was an optics game. You needed to look good, and I'm glad the defense held up its part of the bargain. They did a good job. The midfield didn't lose the game for them, so they get a passing grade in my book. But where this got scary was with the attack because, to me, they're just not functioning well right now. And I think they're too tentative. I mean, it's one thing that the players are not completing passes that they probably should, but the the attack itself is is playing so soft in terms of being aggressive and making those kinds of runs that we saw Coman dart in and score on. We need to see more of that. We need to see more combinations. We need to see more of Kane getting the ball in adv advantageous positions within the box. If we don't see more of that, I think we are going to see another quarterfinals exit for Bayern Munich from the Champions League. Now, the one thing that was very interesting to me that happened before the game was that story from Bill. And the fact that it came out just hours before the match and it included so many key players for Bayern Munich and, and basically put the heat on them saying that the club's bosses are not happy with players like Kimmich and Goretzka and Gnabry and that players like Neuer and Thomas Muller, their voices were not going to be as loud in the locker room anymore because they were older players. To me, this comes down to one thing, and there are a lot of people out there that are going to dismiss this as just build being build. Sport One's Kerry Howell had the same story. It, this was a, a planned leak. This was something that someone went to the press with, whether it was someone within the club, it could have been club leadership, could have been Tuchel, could have been some of the affected players, whatever the case, this leaked out and it was, a to me, it was uh, planned with the timing and the day. This was absolutely something that was coordinated. And the fact that it went to two rival publications who have a, a very strong presence in Germany and the fact that the team was not in Germany to have to answer to a greater media presence than what was over in England, it was all very strategic. So let's just break it down and see what the hell happened and why this is breaking the way it is. So the gist of the story is that Bayern Munich's bosses are not happy with the team's current leadership structure for the reasons I mentioned. Uh, one, of course, being that the two biggest vocal leaders on the team in terms of working with players, Muller and Neuer, are older and are going to have either lesser roles like Muller has or whose voices will become softer and softer within that locker room with more and more players leaving. The more new players that are cycled in, the less clout Manuel Neuer has. And that's just a fact of locker room life. You can be a respected team leader, but the more new players that come in, your own cash, hey, is leaving. It's going away because you do not have these hands-on experiences with these players. And that's a big problem. So you have your two big leaders there being phased out essentially, and that's because of age, right? Although you could really argue that Muller could be playing a bigger role and Tuchel doesn't want him to, but where it really got to me very scathing was the assessments of 
Kimmich, Goretzka, Delict, and Gnabry. We'll start with Gnabry because he seems to be the one most people are okay with losing first, that they're okay with Gnabry being gone. And I get it. I understand that sentiment. Gnabry has been a roller coaster ride, and I'm the first one to tell you that. He's up, he's down. When he's on, he is terrific. When he's off, he is hapless. It's very frustrating at times watching Gnabry. That said, I think he's a big fit. Why is he included on this list? Is it just about performance? No. Is he on the leadership council? No, but he is a very close confidant of Joshua Kimmich. And if Thomas Tuchel is truly going to uproot this team and put it through an upheaval, he's going to get rid of the leadership group and basically anyone connected to it, which leads you to Kimmich and Goretzka. Tuchel was the first coach whether for club or country, to really go after Kimmich's position. And it came seemingly out of nowhere. And we saw him do it through the press. We've seen him yank Kimmich from games, which absolutely never happened before. It was pretty shocking. And the fact that Tuchel has openly talked about wanting a six to, to take Kimmich's spot, I mean, it's very disconcerting for a locker room with someone so respected as Kimmich, someone who holds so much clout, the coach is calling for him to lose his gig. And if not to lose a starting role, to bump Goretzka out to push Kimmich into a role that he doesn't necessarily want to play. See, I think I had this all wrong. I think I had this initially as Kimmich wanting to be an eight, but not really wanting to say it. I don't think that's the case at all. I think Kimmich... Wanted to be the six, but Tuchel has no intention of keeping him there or, or even really using him there past January. As for Goretzka, his status on the team, despite his performances this season, which I, I rate him as pretty good this season. I think he's been a very good asset. I think he's been a good locker room presence. He absolutely could have been unraveled in summer when, when Tuchel passed him over. Think about it. Tuchel, Tuchel took Goretzka, who was a starter, trashed him at the end of last season, criticized him all summer, then immediately put Conrad Limer over top of him in the depth chart until it became obvious that Limer wasn't quite ready for the bright lights and big stage of Bayern Munich in the central midfield. Since that point, Goretzka has proven his value, he's proven his worth, and now he's looking at a spot on the bench, potentially, because Tuchel is driving this train to get a new number six. And when you look at this whole situation and you look at the players he's targeting, it's no secret he's going after the team leaders. And one of the, the, the maybe perhaps the biggest part of this story was that, you know, Bayern Munich, or I, I keep saying Tuchel because I believe he is the one that is pushing this, wants to bring in a new defensive leader. Well, here's the thing. Matthijs De Ligt was your best defender last season. Matthijs De Ligt stood in front of the media and answered every tough question when he needed to. When he picked up a bad penalty in the first stages of last season and cost Bayern Munich two points, he owned it. He stood there. He took the questions. He talked about it. You don't have that kind of leadership from Dio Upamakano or Kim Min-jae. And quite frankly, as good as they were against Manchester United today, they haven't always been that good this season. It's not a knock on the two. I think they're both fine players, but I rate DeLict ahead of both of them. Part of it is because he's more vocal, he's a better leader, and I think he's a more complete player than either one of those two. But now he's also on the outside looking in, if you believe the reports, and if you read into what Tuchel has said earlier. Tuchel does not like the way that DeLict passes. He doesn't like how he plays the ball from the back. DeLict came 
came up through the ranks at Ajax. If he can't pass, I don't know what he learned all those years. And it's not as if this is a guy who is devoid of skill and who's just a big lumbering center back who heads the ball out. No, he is a skilled player. I think he's a smart player and by far the best leader that they have on the back line. So when I saw this report, the timing of it, when it dropped, the only thing I can ascertain from this is that Tuchel is trying to get the leaders of the team out of the locker room so he can reshape this team and its vision. Well, guess what? If it doesn't work and Bayern Munich is mediocre with new players, Tuchel won't be around to deal with the fallout of this. And that's what worries me. How is Tuchel, someone who honestly did not do a great job at the end of last season and has been Okay, results-wise this year, he's gotten, you know, listen, he's gotten the wins that he's needed to get this season, but does he have the team playing great? I don't think so. How has he gotten this much clout that he's overtaking players who have been with this club for so long, players who have grinded it out and stayed with the club through some tough times, through some up and downs, who have led the club to its greatest heights of winning a sextuple? It's very, very disconcerting. And that's where I'm at with how this story broke, it's how I feel about it. I think this is something, and listen, this is me talking. I'm not inside the locker room. I think this is something being driven by Tuchel. And to me, it's very unfortunate. I think this team is talented enough. I think they're one of the top three teams in the world that if they were functioning properly in their attack, would be able to compete with the likes of Real Madrid and Manchester City. But right now, what we're seeing is a team that's just kind of treading water. Tuchel talks about what he doesn't have instead of working with what he does. He's trying to reform one of the world's top two or three strikers into something maybe more complete, maybe someone who you can take advantage of all his skills. But the bottom line is you got him because he's a scorer and you need to deploy him in ways that allow him to put the ball in the net, which he has proven that he can absolutely do playing for Bayern Munich. So take what you want out of the game. Bayern Munich beat Manchester United 1-0 in the Champions League. But to me, the greater story is what's going on in the locker room, the relationship between the coach and the players, because as good as this team is and as talented as they are, this can all fall apart very, very quickly if someone doesn't rein all of this in. And whether it's the the new front office or the coach, or maybe the players are just up out and out pushing through a mutiny from the locker room and they leak this story, whatever the case, this all has to be reined in. Bayern Munich needs to circle the wagons and they need to figure this all out because the way things are headed with how this looks on the field, it's not good enough at this point. And if it's not good enough in the field, you can only imagine what's going on in the locker room. And just remember, this is just days after no one except Thomas Muller spoke to the media after a terrible loss. She has a lack of leadership, a lack of gumption. Something is going on there. And if the players didn't speak, it shows a lack of respect for the coach and what he's doing in my mind as well. So there's something going on. There is some schism between Tuchel and the locker room. And to me, it looks like there's a big time issue between Tuchel and the leadership group, which of course, if we remember the last version of that leadership council, they're all players who have come under fire from Tuchel with the exception of Coman, who was actually even getting a little bit of criticism from Tuchel earlier this season before he started to turn it around. Either way, Bayern Munich beats Manchester United. Sorry, I ranted a little bit there. 
about the state of the squad, but I think it, it it warrants the conversation because there is a lot going on and I know fans have a lot to say about it. So drop me some comments on this post, hit me up on social media. As always, you can get me at the barrel blog on Twitter. You can get the site at Bavarian FB works, get our tweet Meister, Tom Adams at Tommy Adams 71. You can get, I need no name at BFW You can get Siler at CYL three R. And check out BavarianFootballWorks.com for all of the game coverage. We have all of our normal pieces out, the initial analysis, match awards, uh, match awards observations, and all of the reactions, plus all of the day after coverage that we'll have. You know there's going to be a lot to talk about from not only this game, but also that story that broke. There will be fallout from that. So hang with us. We appreciate you being there with us all the time. This is probably one of those games where you need a beer just to take the edge off of what should have been a fun match, but actually was kind of boring. So sorry about that one. I'm bringing some boring matches in the post game here, but maybe it's me. Maybe I'm the problem in the locker room and outside of it. I'll fix myself. Don't worry about it. Have a great one. We'll see you next time.